0: No one thought I could play the Division I level, no one thought I could be a free agent, be a captain of the team at Tulane, but the the biggest things are, in the beginning, no one thought I could play football to begin with.
1: This is The Playbook. I have one of my alumni here, one of the most famous alumni of the Tulane University in New Orleans, Aaron Golub. Welcome to The Playbook.
0: Dave, super thankful I'm here today, really excited to go into this with you.
1: Yeah, me too, because... You sit in a space that are a lot of, obviously, my guests, entrepreneur, speaker, everyone's yawning, podcaster, yawn. But what really excites me about you, besides going to Tulane, is you did something that I wish I could have done at Tulane. I did it at Occidental College. You were a Division One football player, which may not sound that incredible or unique here on the playbook because we've had Hall of Famers, as you know, But what makes you so unique is you're the first division one legally blind football player. Yeah. And that's a pretty special feat because since I've been five years old, I wanted to be a professional football player. Since I've been five years old, I carried a football with me wherever I went. Since I was five years old, I dreamed of playing football and I still will tell you one of the top three loves of my life is football. And so when I see someone that not, only lives in the extra mile but lives in the empty mile you had to live in the extra mile every day to compete without being able to see in a game like football let alone at the level of division one um at what age did you fall in love with football
0: yeah so i started playing football in seventh grade so probably around 12 is really when i dove into it and i tried every other sport under the sun before that nothing really stuck nothing worked out and just figured why not give it a shot.
1: And you know, what were some of the challenges that you faced when you were younger with what I call the entrepreneurial uh, interference of people laughing at you, making fun of you, telling you you can't do something. I always say the only thing that should die in your life, Aaron, is limitations and you're living proof of allowing that to die. What were some of those limitations that people put upon you?
0: Yeah, I mean, no one thought I could play the Division One level. No one thought I could be a free agent, be a captain of the team at Tulane. But the the biggest things are in the beginning. No one thought I could play football to begin with. Could play in high school, and for me, I knew I couldn't be a quarterback. Knew I couldn't be a receiver. That wasn't you know in the questions in in the cards. But for me, it was let's be an offensive and defensive lineman to start. Did that wasn't very good. Wasn't very big. Third string junior varsity athlete my sophomore year one to make a shift, one to make a change in my life, in my environment, everything around me. And I found long snapping. And I realized that with this unique, with this niche position, if I got good enough at it, then I might have that opportunity to basically show everyone what I could do. No one thought I could do it, but it was the belief that I had in myself to put in those long hours, those early mornings, those late nights to figure out how do I get good enough at this to make my dreams happen.
1: And I always say that, what I learned on the football field made me who I am outside of the football field. I went to a great college. I went to a great law school, Tulane University, by the way. Uh, and I uh, will tell you that, as great as those schools were, what I learned to be successful happened on the football field to me. Now, I wasn't blind, but I was not talented. <laughs> so um, I had to learn. What it was like to enjoy the consistent, persistent pursuit of my potential without worrying about other people's potential. I, I knew at five, seven and 145 pounds going into college that, you know, I may not be able to compete at certain things that other people could, but I wasn't going to quit. What are some of the lessons that you've learned uh from persevering in playing football that you're now utilizing in your entrepreneurial journey and your speaker journey?
0: Yeah. The biggest one is that things in life happen for you and not to you. I'm so thankful and so grateful that I was born legally blind. And if I could go back and change it, I wouldn't do it for anything in the world. Because it's allowed me to have incredible opportunities, meet amazing people, build insanely cool businesses, and, and have this insane environment around me and just the thankfulness that I have for that. People in life think that these challenges, the world is out to get them, and that's not true. Shift your perspective, shift your mindset, and you can realize that those things that are out there, those adversities, are there for you for a reason, for you to learn, for you to grow, for you to get better. But in addition to that, in the entrepreneurial world and journey, I learned dedication, I learned consistency, I learned discipline. All these things that football and athletics taught me. How do you maintain school, athletics, meetings, all of that, the lessons that the coaches were teaching us when we were running sprints because we messed something up, that wasn't teaching us, don't mess something up in practice. That was a life lesson for this is what you're going to have to do to be consistent, to be disciplined, to learn how details matter in the real world. And understanding those lessons is what's allowed me to see some sort of success today within the world of business and life.
1: Yeah. And it's amazing to have that, what I call promotion and protection attitude. Now, Usually people that are challenged in different ways that people think would stop people in the realm of this is happening to you and we talk about for you, but you've taken it to another level. Things happen through you for others. Your main purpose or mission in life is to give back and to elevate others with the lessons that you've learned. Um, Where and when has faith come into play with And what I mean by faith, you don't have to do religious or spiritual or, you know, um, to to me, faith is there's something bigger than me that is always protecting and promoting me. Even if I lost a hundred million dollars, you were born blind. I can list out every single great, successful person that had something that other people say, well, the reason I'm not a millionaire (laughs) is because or the reason I couldn't play D1 football is because and you are always being protected and promoted there's a faith that's involved there. When did that faith, you know, really rear its character in you? And how strong is that faith today?
0: Yeah. So for me, that faith is trusting the process and trusting myself and understanding that when I set my mind to something, when I make a decision, I've proven time and time again in high school that I could be a long snapper in high school, in college that I could make it to college, that I could be named a captain of a D1 team, that I could be a free agent, that I could start a business, that I could... Be a a great speaker and trusting that faith and understanding that if I choose to do something, I know the outcome is there. The end is secure if you continue to work hard and put in that effort every single day. The thing that most people don't get and, and what I would love to get across to people is that when you take complete ownership of yourself and your actions, everything becomes clear. People wonder, like you said, why am I not a millionaire? Why am I not starting this business? Why, you know, maybe you're a speaker, maybe you wanna start speaking at events. What are you actually doing every single day to get there? And they don't figure that out. And when you audit your time, when you audit your habits, when you audit your calendar, you realize what are you actually doing to get to where you wanna go? And when you take ownership of what you are doing, what you aren't doing, that's when the faith comes into play for me because I'm trusting that I do the things that I need to do. And because of that, I will get the results that other people won't get because I'm willing to do those things.
1: Yeah, and what's so incredible is that will to clear the interference of what other people think. I always talk about not caring what other people think, but learning from what other think is an extraordinary thing. Now, a lot of people think that public speaking uh, is the most fearful thing you can do. Uh, It's listed up there. If you look (laughs) at the top 10 things that people are most afraid of. It's not even being a long snapper, which to me, I understand football so well, even being able to see, I didn't want the pressure of a whole game riding on every play that I had. Because as you know, if you hike over a quarterback as a long snapper or a kicker or a punter, the game's over and the turnaround in points is extraordinary. I can't believe that people are more afraid of being a speaker than a long snapper, Uh, but it's true. It's one of the greatest fears what were the fears that you had? Because obviously being blind has nothing to do with speaking. In fact, it may make it easier in some (laughs) respects. You don't have to see people's faces, uh, especially for, by the way, I just have to tell you, Aaron, I can see a huge advantage you have over me in a virtual speech. Cause I think one of the most challenging things I have as a speaker is doing a virtual speak with just the administrator and I. So I'm speaking (laughs) in front of 20,000 people virtually and all I'm seeing is some lady doing her work while I'm trying to motivate and inspire. <laughs> you don't have to see that. Um, but more importantly, what do you find the biggest fear of speaking was for you?
0: So you know for me, I got thrown into speaking at a really young age and today I, I don't feel that. I get excited for events. Yeah and excitement, excitement get, and fear are the same yeah. same energy. And and I think for me it's channeling that into the excitement. But so for me, senior year of high school, when I come into Tulane, I got a message from Good Morning America that they wanted to fly me into New York and interview me. So I went on Good Morning America with Michael Strahan, snapped him a football, talked, did all of that. It was great. But the night before, I was so scared. I was so fearful. I was 17 years old. I didn't know what to expect. I'd never done anything like this. But for me, I was put in an environment right then and there that was sink or swim right now. And I chose to figure it out doesn't mean I wasn't scared. I look back on that video and I think I did terrible, but I was also <laughs> 17 years old. It was like, it was national television. Of course I did fine for that, that time frame. but I chose to swim. I chose to figure it out. And for me, that carries over today. I don't get fearful for events, but like you said, excitement and fear are so similar. And so when you have those emotions, I choose to lean into excitement, lean into that energy and figure out how I can express that to everyone around me.
1: You know, a lot of successful people, including Tom Brady, are driven by proving other people wrong. And for years, I've been driven by that. And I've luckily, at 54 now, shifted a paradigm of proving myself right. And you seem like at a young age, you really have a self-awareness.
0: So one thing I talk about a lot is, in my opinion, there's a difference between internal and external motivation. And so external motivation is, like you said, people do things because they want to prove others wrong or prove others right. That can get you motivated for a minute, an hour, a day. You know, if I go to the gym and I want to squat heavyweight, I'm going to think of an external motivator that gets me mad, that gets me angry, whatever, to get me through that set that I don't want to do. Internal motivators are the things that get you the furthest in life. Tom Brady, he wasn't motivated by the fact that he got drafted so late in the draft, maybe to, for a month to win the starting job or something. But you think 20 years later, that's what he thought about winning Super Bowls? No. It's the internal motivators. He wants to do something because he wants to prove himself right. And that's what I do every single day. I do the things that I do because I want to prove myself right. I do not care what others' opinions are or what others think. And if they want to think something that's their call, that's their judgment, it doesn't affect me or bother me. But every single thing that I do, every single task I take on, is because I want to prove myself right.
1: And you know, obviously you're from Boston. so Tom Brady may be a hero of yours, as so many in the New England area. Uh, But there's a big difference between heroes uh, like a Tom Brady and a mentor. And I know you believe not only in mentoring other people, but having mentors yourself. How important is it to not only be a mentor to others and give back like you do, but more importantly, have mentors even when you have success?
0: It's so important. It's the only way you learn, you grow. I mean, I've Paid a lot of money to learn from other people to get better to go to where they are. I've given up equity in projects that I'm doing. Now I know one thing we talked about. We have a very mutual connection, Brian Bogart. Great guy. Breaking Beyond yeah. with
1: Brian Bogart.
0: Great friend and mentor of mine. We're working on something right now. I can't talk too much about yet. Or you'd have to kill me.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> but he, remember,
1: I mentor Brian Bogart, so I probably know what you're you, talking
0: about. You, you do know that I think actually, but so um, I don't have to be killed. He, I'm not going to tell you.
1: I'm under NDA. He
0: has equity in what's going on because I value learning from him. I value growing with him. I value his expertise and his insights that I'm 25 years old, I've done well, but I mean, I have a lot to learn. I'm not nowhere near where someone like he is or someone like you are, and I would rather surround myself with those individuals. So in 15, 20, 25, 30 years, I'm at that point myself.
1: And one of the things I love about Brian, who I do mentor, but he's one of the people, I, I learn a lot from mentoring but he's one of the people that I learned the most from. He has an uncanny ability of articulating things and uh, you know, taking complex issues and making them so clear. But where I find one of his expertise is applicable to you because he almost lost his life, yeah. right? When he was a very young boy and he had to suffer through so many things. Uh, what have you learned from Brian about suffering? And obviously there's some things yeah. in your life, like everyone else you either, I would say, you either suffer from discipline or suffer from regress, but let alone there's suffering in life for everyone. What are some of the things that you've learned about yeah. having the right perspective on suffering?
0: Look, there's a difference between pain and suffering. Pain is something where if I'm you know, running, candidly, I hate running. That's That was my least <laughs> favorite thing in football. Love the weight room, hated sprints. Well, good, we have something in common. <laughs> so doing those 110s, that was pain, but suffering is your perspective on it. So if you you go into that event, go into running those sprints thinking this is going to be miserable, this is going to be hard, yeah, you're going to suffer through it. But if instead you go into that environment, go into that whatever that thing is that you're doing and say, I'm about to have an awesome time, I'm going to get better, this might hurt a bit, but I'm going to come out the other side in 10, 20, 30 minutes and I'm going to move on with the rest of my day and have an awesome rest of my day, that's choosing not to suffer. You're going through pain, but you're choosing whether or not you suffer. And I think Brian has done a really good job of that. And he's shown that to me and shown that to so many other people. And when you can understand that, you can shift your perspective. If you're in a bad situation, that might be painful, that might be hard, but it's your choice if you're suffering or not.
1: And you know, it goes beyond just yourself. You are now in a position, like I said, as an entrepreneur, a speaker, a podcaster, of having influence. Yeah and you have quite a big following already. And uh, at a young age, it'll continue to grow as your frequency and the strength of your frequency is transmitted to a larger spectrum of people with your values and your lessons resonating. Uh, You're only 25 years old, you have a girlfriend, you haven't built your family yet, you haven't looked at some of the other life journey uh, challenges that everybody faces and you'll face in a different way being legally blind yeah. than other people face them. But nonetheless, everyone will face challenges. Trust me, I have three teenage daughters. <laughs> Whether I was blind or not, there would be challenges in having three teenage daughters. <laughs> um, but what legacy do you see for yourself today? Uh, because you do have a different perspective. You have you know, had greater experiences. You're blessed to yeah. have been promoted and protected because of yeah. a disability that you were born with. What legacy do you want to leave Or at least you think you want to leave here at 25 years old.
0: It's helping and impacting others. It comes down to the end goal. You know, look, yes, do I want to build awesome businesses, make a lot of money? Absolutely. So does everyone. But that doesn't lead to happiness. That doesn't lead to fulfillment. Every single day, I don't go out there and say, how can I make a sale? How can I make more money? That will come from the things that I do, but that's not what I think about. What I think about is how can I wake up today and help and impact one, two, three more people? And I know through doing that every single day, my network will grow, my influence will grow, the people I help and impact will grow. And I'll see the rewards 10X down the road because I have that perspective, because I have that thought process in everything I do.
1: What an amazing wisdom you have. Money does not lead, it follows Aaron Golub he is an incredible incredible entrepreneur incredible speaker and an inspiration to us all he's learning how to make a lot of money so he can help a lot of people and of course because he's a green waiver like me he's having a lot of fun you can't but have a lot of fun if you're from or have visited New Orleans in any ways Aaron Golub thank you so much for joining me this is David Meltzer with Entrepreneurs The Playbook